You're listening to Matrimony. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chris. This show is about managing your money. Happily ever after. Hey, husband. Well, hi. <laughs> uh, where's that from? I don't know. <laughs> Just made it up on the spot. Mm-hmm. On this episode, we're talking about taking the plunge and getting solar panels on our house. We'll break down how we made the decision, how much it's going to cost, and why we think it's worth it. Plus, we have a listener question about commuting. Let's start with a status update. You go. Oh, Okay. So I feel like I have talked about on the past few episodes this year about just feeling a little bit stretched too thin, wanting a second start at the year. I am happy to report I feel like I'm getting a little bit of breathing room Hmm. and it just feels really good. Mm -hmm. I had a freelance project that I had been working on. and was take took several weekends of work time and it was really enjoyable work but still it was big chunks of five or six hours on a Sunday so it kind of feel like it almost took half my weekend um so just finishing that just was a big relief and just has opened up time and I don't know we're having a nice week we're it's we're not having a crazy week we're having just a normal week and it feels so good Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. And I've had the same thing going on. I had a lot of stuff happening at work and a lot of it is past now. So I'm starting to feel more chill too. Mm -hmm. Um, but my status update is I'm just super excited about this. Our fleet is complete. That's what (laughs) I've been saying. So Dashiell knows how to ride his bike. Obviously he's known for a long time. Um, and Cedric has been on a push bike, but not Mm -hmm. a pedal bike. So he's been right there and finally his little legs are long enough Mm -hmm. and he finally got the hang of it. And so this, in this past month, he learned how to ride his pedal bike. It's amazing. Now, what's cool is it took Dash a few weeks to learn how to self-propel, like mm-hmm. to get himself going and then get his feet on the pedals and mm-hmm. then go. Um, Cedric, it took less than a week and he kind of figured that out. Yeah. And so now everybody is independently biking mm-hmm. and we can go so many more places. Yeah. So it's really, really cool. It's been so cool to see and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, exci- I'm excited it. for the future. He loves it every day before we go to school. When we get home, he's always asking, can I do my pedal bike? Mm-hmm. I want to do my green bike. That's what he calls <laughs> it. It's so cute. And he had this blue push bike mm-hmm. that both Dash and he used. Mm-hmm. And I told him the other day that, you know, we'll probably sell this since we don't need it anymore. And he said, oh, we can give it to other babies. Yeah. His little lisp. Yes, it's really so cute. cute. (laughs) (laughs) All right, some good status updates. All right, let's move on to home economics. So we have mentioned before that this is kind of the year of reinvention. We've Mm -hmm. been saving and saving and saving, and we're that's still in the back of our minds. But we're doing some pretty wild things um, with our savings, Mm -hmm. diversifying, and we'll talk about some of these things as, as we go on. But one of the projects that sat in the back of my mind or our minds over time has been, can we go solar at this house? Because we live in sunny Arizona, one of the hottest and sunniest places in the country. Mm -hmm. And it just seems to make all the sense in the world, except that solar has been very expensive. Yeah. So yeah, we've been wanting to to do it for a number of years. When did we first get a quote? 2011. Really? And I still have the quote. Yeah. Do you? Okay. 
And so I, that was two years. We moved into this house in 2009. So mm-hmm. that was like within two years of first moving in. Okay. Yeah. But that's already seven years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. And I've checked in with different solar companies in the Valley. There are, of course, many. Mm-hmm. I don't know, for like, well, um, maybe three or four times okay. up until this year. Okay. And I saw an email come through. Mm-hmm. I think so. There's something like, yeah, where there was a deal on, mm-hmm. on solar panels. So I called this company up, um, Sun Valley Solar Systems. Mm-hmm. And we decided, and so I, we just had a little conversation and, and started to figure out if a system could work for us. And so the problem for us has always been we're just too efficient right? <laughs> at home. Um, Which is great, but it just means that getting solar panels, the big investment of solar panels, doesn't make sense for, for people with much bigger houses, much bigger utility bills. Mm-hmm. They can be, even if they have a ten dollars to $20,000 investment in solar panels, that can be paying them back quickly because they're paying right. so much in energy every month. Well, we're just not paying that much yeah. comparatively. So we have a 1770... 1,770 square foot house. Mm -hmm. We don't have a pool. Mm -hmm. We have one AC unit. Much larger houses often can have two, you know. Um, We have just basic appliances. We don't even have a TV, (laughs) you know. So we just don't have a whole lot that's drawing a lot of energy Mm -hmm. to to sort of start this conversation Mm -hmm. off. If you're thinking about solar, the first thing you do want to do is make sure you have as efficient a home as possible Mm -hmm. because you can do a lot of things in your own home that don't require a multi-thousand dollar investment in right. solar panels to save you a ton of money right. on energy. Right? right. So so we were already there kind of by default. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, otherwise we were just kind of too efficient to get a good ROI on any systems until I had Return this conversation. Return on investment. Correct. <laughs> until I checked in with uh, this company and we figured out we could actually make it work. But just to give you a sense of of kind of where we're at. So we, on average, use about 10,000 kilowatt hours per year. Okay. And that costs us out here in Arizona about fifteen dollars to $1,600 per year. So it averages out to about $0.14 cents per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are our electric bills? So they, the actual electric bill would range probably from like $50 plus to... In the winter, yeah, when it's winter, low. Yeah, um, to something like 250 or so dollars mm-hmm. in the when summer. When we're running the AC all the live long day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like 20 to $30 of that is just baked in, quote unquote, hookup charge from our company. Fees. Yeah, mm-hmm. fees and taxes. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost nothing in the su- in the wintertime and a whole lot in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And we compare, uh, you know, slightly favorably to like the average household. So I, I looked this up earlier today and the average household uses about, 10,700 kilowatt hours per year. Okay. Um, but there's a and, huge and range there. And we're about 10,000. So we're a little bit less. Yeah, just a little bit less. Okay. But of course, there's like a massive range right. um, in usage. But for our area, we're we're pretty efficient. So if you compare a similar sized home without a pool, which we can do on our, our mm-hmm. power company's, you know, sort of dashboard, mm-hmm. then we're about 30% lower than most homes wow. uh, with no pool. So we're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the problem has always been solar was pretty expensive. Yeah. Like when I checked into these things in the past, the, the, like the, the system paying itself off would take like 20 years. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And I mean, we don't plan on moving. Right. You know, but, but still that it's, a, that's a long time, even for wanting to do it out of being more environmentally friendly and environmentally conscious. I feel like we're willing to, you know, pay a little bit more, put some money into it to decrease our carbon footprint. But I remember when we've looked at it before, 
it would be that our bill would actually go up every month <laughs> yeah, yeah. because we'd be paying off the solar mm-hmm. system. And it'd be kind of like, eh, you know, okay, we're willing to pay extra to, um, you know, be more green, but kind of just to a point. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just felt like it, especially when it was going to be for so long, you yeah, know? Yeah. So. And that's the thing is like, you know, it's a system that degrades over time. Mm. And so by the time we are paying a system off, it may be far less efficient. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, the final return on investment after all that time yeah. would be not as great as we might have like imagined it mm-hmm. at the beginning. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So it was, a, it was a big problem. Also, we have a power company that this is what I just find interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's this national debate about how to deal with the grid. Right. right? And so, and this is something that our futurists talk a lot about at ASU, which is that, you know, power companies and many of them are, um, they're like semi-regulated or Mm -hmm. fully regulated by like state or local entities. Mm -hmm. Uh, they are dealing with, you know, people putting more and more residential solar, individual energy production on their homes, Mm -hmm. which the more they disengage, the less they pay into the broad system that is meant to serve a population, Mm -hmm. right? And so they're trying to figure out how can they maintain a grid that is reliable and available for good, like never, ever breaking down Mm -hmm. because that's essentially what we demand of our energy systems while also getting less investment from the people who Mm -hmm. more intermittently depend on it. Gotcha. So it's like this weird philosophical um, techno-futurist concern. <laughs> right. Because when you're using solar, you can be producing a lot of or all of the energy that you need during the day. But then at night, right now, mm-hmm. there are chargeable batteries, but they are very expensive. Yeah. And so... Like Tesla Powerwall. Exactly. So you're, we're only producing the, our own energy during the day. At night, of course, we want to be tapping into that grid and we want it to be there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like for us here in Arizona at night, I mean, we're the AC is going all the time because it just does not cool down. (laughs) It's still like 95 degrees. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So SRP is our power company. And for solar customers, there was a huge big debate Mm -hmm. about five years ago. I think it was, they tried to add 30 extra dollars for anybody going to solar Mm -hmm. per month, Mm -hmm. which really could negate, especially at that time, would really negate a lot of savings. And so customers were very angry where it all ended up in the end is that SRP for solar customers, they developed a new solar energy rate plan, which I'll describe in a second. Mm -hmm. And they also tack on $10 extra. Mm -hmm. So whereas we right now pay like 20 plus dollars for our quote unquote hookup charge, Mm -hmm. our fees, um, going solar, we'll actually pay 30. So that's part of how you contend with how Mm -hmm. the system pays off. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Um, So that that whole thing is going on. Mm Mm-hmm. So we did a bunch of research and like I said, we've been getting these quotes and um, we realize now with the the system that was quoted to us with Sun Valley Solar, it's really a combination of a sale on the system that we actually did purchase, Mm -hmm. um, tax refunds that are still in place, Mm -hmm. like they were slated to go away, but they've been kept. And so federal tax refunds and state refunds still exist. And the combination of those things plus a demand controller. Mm. And I'll talk about that in a second Mm -hmm. too. But all those things together made the system finally affordable. Yeah. Or so, we could get a return our, on our investment in less than 10 years. Yeah. And and we'd be able to actually, yeah, be saving on our energy bill every month. And so that just feels good. Yeah. And that was kind of like the subjective thing is like, 
you know, when are you okay with a system paying itself off? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get, you're going to see the immediate month to month savings, but of course you'll have this big upfront investment. You could have mm-hmm. put that money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like this is money that's coming out of our Vanguard savings. That's right. Right. So it could have been making money in the stock market. Instead, we put it into solar panel systems. Mm-hmm. So like, where are you comfortable with the thing paying itself off? Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to shoot for like five to seven years. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty close to that range. Okay. Um, and, but because that gives us like another, you know, 10 to 12 years of pretty good energy production, mm-hmm. saving us money, mm-hmm. rates probably go up After in the meantime. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I figure, okay, that makes some sense. So that's what we decided. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We just signed the paperwork and you put down a deposit. So mm-hmm. it's happening. It's happening. So what we ended up buying, I'll describe the system a little bit so people can kind of understand mm-hmm. if they're thinking about it themselves. We bought a four kilowatt system. So it's about 15 panels on our roof. Mm-hmm. Um, it will produce over the course of the year anywhere between like something like like around 6,000 to seven plus thousand kilowatt hours. Okay. So still I'm kind of confused by having a four kilowatt system and then all the hours it produces. So that's like how much it can produce per hour or per day. Yeah. So kilowatts are refer, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. Some physicists can email us and tell me how wrong I get this. I hope we have a lot of physicists that listen to the program. (laughs) (laughs) Or or just plenty of lay people who are way smarter than me on this stuff (laughs) can also correct me. But the way it was explained to me, you know, kilowatts, kilowatts themselves are sort of just overall demand. Mm. So demand in the moment um, of of energy, like what what you're needing to pull in in any given moment from Mm -hmm. a system. Um, whereas kilowatt hours are that energy use over the course of mm. like an hour okay. on average. Okay. Um, and so a four kilowatt system mm-hmm. can handle up to four kilowatts of demand at any given moment. Okay. Or realistically a little bit less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the kilowatt hours is the total amount of energy basically that it will produce over the course of the year. Okay. So Five, like I said, six to seven thousand. That's that's roughly two thirds of our energy use. So, right. so this system should reduce our energy use by two thirds in our house, mm-hmm. which in and of itself ecologically is cool. Right, it is awesome. And you know, when we first got this quote, I was saying, well, why aren't we getting? Why isn't it going to be producing all of our power and even? then some, because you can get in a situation where if you're making more power than you're using, you could be selling it back to the utility at Mm -hmm. a wholesale rate. And you can even, instead of, you know, paying them, you can get a little kickback. Um, And so... Which is called net metering. Net metering. Okay. There you go. There's a term for that. But... If we were to get a larger system, that just starts to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like and so then it would be a longer return on investment. And so this seems to be kind of the sweet spot where we're offsetting a lot of our energy usage, but we're still decreasing our bill and getting a reasonable return on investment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's like, that's the weird calculus of this. So, Mm -hmm. so we, in our situation have to deal with this floor of right. 30 to 34 dollars, right. right? Those fees and whatnot. Yeah. We don't go below that unless we actually get off the grid. Mm-hmm. But to get off the grid, you have to buy crazy expensive batteries which is just not mm-hmm. feasible right, right now. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully yeah. in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um things could things probably will change drastically in the future. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, so this is kind of the sweet spot. So our system will cost about 
after the tax refunds and rebates, seventy five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pull twelve thousand five hundred dollars from mm-hmm. our Vanguard savings, mm-hmm. which we have not pulled money at all ever. Yeah. So it's like a big, big deal for us to do this. Um, But we'll get about 5,000 of that back Mm -hmm. um, next year in our taxes. And so at at the end of the day, it'll cost about 7,500, but I'm expecting that it'll actually cost 1,300 roughly more than that. And that is for some roof work that Mm -hmm. may need to be done. Mm -hmm. So what happens, and I assume that this is standard, is solar companies will send out a roofer to look at your roof and make sure that it can handle the weight, that Mm -hmm. it's in relatively good shape. They'll give us an estimate about how much more life there is in a roof Mm -hmm. before we might need to do work or replace it. Um, And then we'd have to make another judgment call. Mm -hmm. Like, are we okay throwing the system on there as is? Or do we want to actually do some work to make sure... Like they don't mm-hmm. have to pull the panels off right. to do roof work in the future. Right. I'm assuming we're going to fix or like just do that area of the roof mm-hmm. so that we don't have to worry about this in the future. Okay. That would add probably 1300 bucks. Gotcha. Okay. So we're looking at closer to a $9,000 system. All right. Um, all told, the system's supposed to save us about $1,000 a year. So it'd, it'd pay itself off somewhere between seven and nine years mm-hmm. is the expectation. Mm-hmm. So it gets us under that 10 year mark. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we'll open up roughly $30 to, based on my estimates, $160 a month in our power savings. So okay. that's good for cash flow. That right. opens up more space. That's kind of something that we always focus on, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and hopef- yeah. hopefully we'll be throwing some of that money into our savings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And rebuilding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one more thing I want to, I want to describe about okay. the system. So just so people understand, um, this may or may not be needed in different areas of the country but this is how kind of the the way to work with srp our power company is so the the solar panels decrease our overall energy use so there's a savings there but the hitch with the solar rate plan that srp has for people who go solar is they offer us a really low uh kilowatt hour rate and so our right now we're averaging about 14 cents per kilowatt hour um, with this plan, well, it'll be about four cents per kilowatt hour, so way lower, like super utterly cheap. The hitch is your demand charge. So, overall energy use is one thing, but your demand is like if you have your AC kick on and you have your and you're cooking mm-hmm. and you're also you know turn on your dryer to dry clothes. Mm-hmm. All those things equate to an instantaneous demand, mm-hmm. and that's what the kilowatts relate to. Mm-hmm. So you could go from like you know, just say four kilowatts for just your AC all the way up to 10 or 12 with Mm -hmm. all these things going on at once. SRP looks at... And that's more stressful for the grid. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So SRP doesn't have a problem with just distributing energy. It's Mm -hmm. the problem of in the middle of the heat of the summer in Arizona, everybody getting home at six o'clock and Mm -hmm. then throwing everything on all at once. Cooking, turning the AC way down, getting, putting laundry in the dryer to finish (laughs) that up, turning on the television, just all those. Suddenly your whole house is buzzing and drawing energy all of a sudden. You and the millions of other people in the area. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So that's the thing they're trying to manage. Um, And so... Now, we have a much lower sort of overall demand because we have many fewer appliances and things. But still, we I was looking at some of our bills from last year, and we can get up into like the 7 kilowatt range. Mm-hmm. Um, so a controller is a part of the system that we bought, and the controller manages your sort of appliance use. Mm-hmm. And so it will it will set a minimum. Mm-hmm. And it, it will say, for instance, in our case, we'll probably try to set it at 3 kilowatts. Okay. 
And so that, it's under what our, because our system is going to be a four kilowatt. So we're trying to set it under what our system can kind of produce. Yeah. And it, it doesn't really, it doesn't necessarily matter what the system can produce. Okay. It's just, uh, um, it's not more, causing a spike. Yeah. Okay. And and we can go way lower. Like most people probably couldn't pull that off because if they had like their pool pump and they, you gotcha. know, all these things. Right. Um, we Two don't have, ACs. Yeah, exactly. But we can probably pull that off. And that means our demand charge would be like three bucks gotcha. in a given month. Because we will get a demand charge no matter what. Because okay. there, there's always some demand, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if you get into like seven or 10 or 12, then it jumps into like the 20s and higher. Okay. So it kind of, it's rated that way. The higher it goes, the higher the demand charge. Exactly. Okay. So the more you can control your, you know, moment to moment demand, then the better you are in terms of your overall bill. Okay. So. It's a little bit confusing. I mean, just because you've never had to think about your power in that that way before. So it is, it is kind of weird. And we do already have here. um, Some other people might have this. We have certain demand peak hours. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they change winter to summer just because power usage is kind of different there. And I think currently it's, well, maybe it's this way in the summertime, but it's like three to 6 PM and just the, the rate charges during that time are higher. So mm-hmm. it just really encourages people. That's kind of that window when everyone's getting home and turning everything on and encourages you to kind of just do the minimum, you know, try to wait until after 6 p.m. to finish the close or, you know, do whatever. So mm-hmm. so we have had that in our mind a little bit, you know, trying to use things off peak, but this is just kind of taking it definitely to a different level. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, it, it it is totally not user-friendly at all because you have to, you know, you're gonna, really we're going to have to tinker with the system mm-hmm. and, and kind of think about our actual behaviors in our own home, mm-hmm. um, which most of the time people are just like, I need to dry clothes. I'm right. Dry my clothes. I want to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. I think it'll be fun to experiment. Yeah. Um, hopefully it won't be annoying and it'll yeah, be more I ho- Hopefully we'll just kind of figure things out and it'll just be kind of, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I'm envisioning we will just have, you know, the first month or so will hopefully be getting this feedback. I think we'll have a way to be monitoring our mm-hmm. the solar system and, you know, seeing what it's producing and what we're drawing and everything. And it might just be something that when we come home and we're running the AC, we just need to check before we're turning on the oven mm-hmm. or something or or maybe just making sure we're not doing three at once we can do ac stove but we can't also be doing dryer yeah you know i, I i'm thinking I, I know that that sounds kind of intrusive but i really think that it's ultimately not going to be very intrusive and mm-hmm. it'll just kind of be second nature yeah yeah and i'm not sure yet but i th- i think the controller might do a little bit of that for us mm-hmm. It might actually tell, I think we can program it to say, in order to control demand at any given moment, um, you're allowed to turn, turn. off this thing first, then gotcha. this thing first. And, and, gotcha. and so, you know, we might preference like the AC mm-hmm. not being turned off because it will be super hot right. in the summer. So right. say, turn off the clothes dryer. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it'll just be interesting because I feel like we don't have that many appliances, but I don't know if it will surprise us and and there will be these hidden things that are drawing more energy yeah. than we yeah. thought or something. I don't know. I mean, there's, yeah, it's, it's, there's really, we have the AC, we have our stove and oven. Our refrigerator. Our refrigerator. And I think our like washer dryer. 
Right. Those are really... And then just, I mean, lights and things around the house. But, yeah, but I can't imagine that are those are pulling very much. No, those things are like... are not, They don't mean much at all, okay. apparently. So, um, it, But it's making me think about other things. So like we could totally get by without a dryer entirely mm-hmm. if we really wanted to. But right. you know, that takes work. Right. Um, I wonder if we can reduce our dryer use significantly without too much concern mm-hmm. or effort. Yeah. You know, say by like a half or two thirds right. or something. Mm-hmm. And then that might really like, wh- I, I feel like in our efficient household, mm-hmm. one little change like that, that yeah. actually would be good for us mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. Um, might make all the difference. Yeah. Oh, and the dishwasher, oh, and the which dishwasher. we're pretty yeah. good about just scheduling that to programming it to run at night. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're usually yeah. not running it during those peak times, yep. but yep. that'll That's just be point. something else to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's going to be a huge experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, a costly one. Yeah. A huge expensive experiment. Yep. <laughs> I hope it turns out well for us. I think it's going to. I mean, yeah. we've looked at this a lot. The numbers look like they really make sense. And it is something that you've been wanting for a long time. Yeah. yeah. I just think that you are going to feel so good <laughs> about having this house run, you know, two thirds of the time on solar energy. I mean, mm. I'm going to feel great about it too, but yeah. Yeah. And as we were talking about it, because, you know, I was feeling just a little, uh, not quite anxious, but it's just, it is weird to spend a big chunk of money, especially from a savings account where we've said we don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it all made sense. And so, you know, we kind of thought about it. Um, I took a little more time to warm up to it, but then, you know, I said, okay, well, you know, you're getting the, the solar panels that you've been wanting for a really long time. Maybe I can have my new floor sooner than I thought. <laughs> Maybe with all the savings, <laughs> these new floors are going to happen Leverage. for me. Oh, but what did we learn that that was in my favor for new floors? Oh, so this is interesting. So um, if you have a home in which there's lots of carpet and lots of, you know, furniture obviously mm-hmm. with fabric those end up being heat sinks so they they warm up obviously with mm-hmm. the warm ambient air mm-hmm. and so when you cool off your home with the ac you basically not only have to cool off the air but also the furniture and the carpet mm-hmm. and everything else mm-hmm. so it had you know more work involved mm-hmm. so we do, we have carpet in you know maybe half the house yeah um we don't have like a ton of furniture around mm-hmm. but when we change our floors out we'll want to go might make a difference yeah it might make a difference interesting Ah, so. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing I'll say, and then we can mm-hmm. move on, is that what I'm what I'm also excited about is mm-hmm. the future, which is mm-hmm. you know things are changing so fast in solar. Some bad. So there is people may have heard President Trump um, instituted a tariff, which is going to shake up the solar industry. Oh, I don't possibly. think I did hear that. Yeah. So so not for the better, at least in the short term. We'll see what happens. Um, but overall, obviously, the technology will continue to advance. Mm-hmm. Um, there and will be the cheaper. yeah the batteries will continue to become cheaper. They've already dropped dropped significantly in price. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a system in place that yeah. we can grow, that yeah. we can modify, we can yeah. adapt, um, and so it gives us just way more and and for much less cost down the road too. So I feel like it just gives us yeah. the leg up to. So do that. our dream that we're I feel like we're taking the first step, yeah. or maybe our first step is kind of our hybrid car. Not quite. Our dream is to have our whole house powered totally on solar to have a, a battery storage system. So we're storing the extra solar energy we're making in the day that powers it at night to have an electric car that mm-hmm. we plug in and just totally unplug from the power grid. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. I would feel badass. so good about that. Yep. So ultimate dream might be 25 years away. Maybe it's only 10 years away. 
I really think it's, I, I think the latter. Probably and, 10. And even within 10 years, we might be hopping into our solar powered self-driving vehicle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or <laughs> not go. have to own a car. That is also my dream. Yeah, I just hope true. we don't even have to own a car. We can convert, convert the garage to a whole nother room. Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> so, all right. There we it's are. exciting. We yep. will give you updates once it is installed. It'll take um, a couple of months, but yeah, we can't wait. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a listener question on a totally different topic, but I thought it was a great one. Sophia writes, I listen to you both on my commute and I've recently been thinking about my commute and if it makes sense to move or to find a job closer to home. I'm a teacher and work about 25 miles from my home in a rural community. I don't teach in the summer or on break, so I commute about 185 days a year. So about half the year. I work with a lot of second language learners and most of my students live in poverty. I love having the opportunity to teach these students. The schools near where I live serve middle-class families. I could move to this community, but I do love where I live. I have a bike trail less than 100 yards from my house, a Trader Joe's half a mile away, and a weekly farmer's market a mile away. My husband works as a firefighter, and his current station is about eight miles away. He works a 48-hour shift and then comes home for four days, so he only commutes about once a week. We also have three kids, 10, 9, and 6, that go to the elementary school a mile from our house. I would love to hear your thoughts on commuting. Is it worth it to live in a bike, pedestrian-friendly area and commute to work? Such a good question. Yeah, this is this is a this was such a good question because I think that we could actually relate to this situation in a lot of ways. So we live in Gilbert, this great little um, suburb town that we have come to love and call home, and we do have a lot of kind of similar amenities. The elementary school our boys are going to go is half a mile from our house. Um, we have our grocery stores that we love. We have restaurants. We have friends. We have just community. But Chris, we work really far away. Mm-hmm. I think it's 17 miles to my work. And then maybe it is like 25, At like least, yeah. she writes, mm-hmm. to your work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so I think that this is something that kind of comes up for us. Sometimes we've, we haven't ever really seriously considered moving, but we will just kind of say, ah, the commute to work is a drag. Yeah. yeah. Is What can we do? Or should we be thinking about changing our living situation? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so it's definitely a question that we can relate to. Um, I guess, what are kind of some of your thoughts? Yeah, it's, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, this notion of like a, a sphere of living where right. we've been trying and to... trying to shrink our sphere yeah. in, in like a good way, like not be more closed-minded, but <laughs> but to have the things... <laughs> we want to retreat into our bubble. <laughs> but the things that we need, the places that we go on a regular basis to be close enough that we can easily walk or bike. Yeah, yeah. And we've, we've been pretty successful with mm-hmm. that, just like it sounds like Sophia actually has a pretty successful yeah. sphere of living as yeah. well. Um, it is totally a mixed bag. So I think from, from what Sophia describes here, uh, I would say you have a lot of sort of social capital built into your life. It Mm -hmm. sounds like you have, you live in a community you love, you have lots of amenities nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are all things that you really like and it's a bikeable community. And so it's just this one offshoot of your work. 
yeah. which is very much I feel that I feel you because that's that's what our lives are right. like. My our lives are contained, but my I have the crazy twenty five right. plus mile offshoot. Right, as we well. think about it as like a diagram where we have this like little sphere around our house and the places we go. There's probably like a five mile radius mm-hmm. that we go on a regular basis, but then there are these crazy long offshoots to my job, and then Chris's even beyond mm-hmm. that. At least yeah. they're in the same direction, yeah. I guess. But yeah. Yeah. anyway. So my first thought is um, because both Sophia and her husband are commuting like not consistently. Mm-hmm. So she's working and commuting like half the year mm-hmm. and he's work, commuting only a couple, I think it was a few days a week. Yeah, or a maybe couple days once a week. a week or something. It's already kind of contained. Mm-hmm. And if you're in love with your community and you've got a relatively contained commute from that perspective, at least in terms of frequency, if not like distance. Right. Uh I think you're pretty good. I think if I were in your shoes, I might not feel compelled to try to change things up if I was really in love with my community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing a job that is very altruistic and probably is difficult but fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, those are good jobs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, good things to be doing. And so you, I, it sounds like I'm intimating that maybe you know um, you might not get that same fulfillment if you're working in schools in mm-hmm. the community in which you live. And so uh, I. I think you, I think it's pretty good. Um, so, I, I would agree. It sounds like a good situation to me too. I feel like there's kind of some, I think she's almost wondering like how guilty should I feel about my commute, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think that that is something if you're reflecting on it and thinking about it and you have these inclinations of wanting to be more sustainable or wanting to have this smaller sphere than anything that's not conforming to that, Mm -hmm. you can kind of like take on guilt about it. Um, And, you know, I think we do advocate for doing the best you can Mm -hmm. in the situation that you have. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be trade-offs. Like, for example, it sounds like uh, you probably could, she could get a job within her community and then have this, you know, 10... 10 mile sphere of living. I mean, with her husband's commute is the farthest away at eight miles away. Mm -hmm. Um, But she would be sacrificing maybe a job that is as fulfilling to be working with these second language uh, learners and in a community that she feels is important to serve. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that every situation is going to have its trade-offs you know, we've certainly experienced this just, you know, in many ways, even living in Arizona, there Mm -hmm. are some things that we don't love about it. But when we look across the board, it, you know, ends up stacking up. And so you just kind of have to focus on those things that, um, you know, that are working out in the best way that you want. And then those other ones, it's like, well, I'm, I'm doing the best and, and I choose to do it this way because it brings me this fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. So don't feel guilty. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, how do you deal with the trade-offs? Like how do you figure out where to trade things off? And mm-hmm. I, I think it comes down to just priorities. So mm-hmm. you have like lots of good things going on here. So you just, you kind of think of all the things that are meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, working this job that is important and, but living in a community that's bikeable and having these things nearby and you can kind of list them all mm-hmm. and which of those things are you, would you be willing to sacrifice? If you were to move, you'd mm-hmm. sacrifice the community. If you were to change jobs, you'd sacrifice the particular job that you you love. Um, and so you don't have to make that trade-off. And so right. it, the trade-off in the end would be you take on the commute. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. Like you just stack up your priorities and try to make a decision from there. Right. But yeah, definitely don't feel guilty. 
And mm-hmm. I'm realizing since she listens to us on her commute that she will literally be listening to us tell her not to feel guilty about commuting as Yay! she's commuting. <laughs> so. Don't feel guilty, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah, keep thank, it up. Thank you so much for your question. Okay, let's move on to love notes. I forgot to write a love note about you. So you can <laughs> you can go first and I'll think of one. Mm-hmm. Points taken. <laughs> so I have been dealing, and I've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast. I've been dealing with this just like succession of injuries and aches and pains. Our recurring segment, Chris's <laughs> aging ailments. Chris's slow breakdown. Chris's slow walk to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, anyway, I've been dealing with this, you know, these, this series of things. And uh, it just was like, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, my, my like leg, my shoulder, my this, my that, my back. Um, I was like, man, am I just starting to feel my age? Mm-hmm. And you like somewhat aggressively, somewhat forcefully is like, look, age is just a state of mind. They're just injuries. You'll get over them. Just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you have to maintain your state of mind. Yeah. Um, and, and I appreciated that. It was motivational okay. uh, because, you know, it, it is, and I totally agree. It is absolutely that. I mean, I'm, I'm out playing basketball with the kids. I mm-hmm. don't feel, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm doing great. Um, it's easy, I think, to take on the perception that, oh, here are these injuries and also I'm 40, so I must be getting older and right. it's, it's breakdown time. It's, a down, it's downhill from here. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that way at all. It's just yeah. a, a, a set of circumstances. Yeah. So I, I think I, I had that. seen a headline. I'll find it so we can include it in the show notes. I think it, I can't remember if it was NPR or the New York Times, but something like that, like how much of old age and aging is state of mind or can be contributed to state of mind. So mm-hmm. that just kind of stuck with me. And um, yeah, it seems like important words to live by. Mm-hmm. So thank you for dragging me out of the um, abyss of degradation. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, I guess my love note to you will be kind of related to the solar, like we talked about. I just am so appreciative of you really diving into all the numbers and and getting in the nitty gritty and figuring out if it's worth it for us or not. I really did not spend any time looking at the numbers and <laughs> I appreciate that you spent that time. Um, and also just your excitement for it and that willingness to kind of do that big expensive thing because that's definitely uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. and I would probably pass on it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, but now that we're going to do it, I am really excited, but I don't think I would have taken that opportunity Mm -hmm. myself because it just feels a little too scary. And I do tend toward, uh, let's just save. Mm-hmm. let's just keep saving um so anyway so i really appreciate that good that's cool <laughs> i feel like i've had like a marital insight too along the way because oh yeah there's there's something really important about like a shared confidence in a decision mm. especially when when you're like one person's okay with it but not necessarily mm. all in or something right. where I, I can tell sometimes when and i think this goes both ways but mm-hmm. when somebody's made a, a decision about something and but if there's some floundering if there's some insecurity it's easy to take that on and be like oh my god are we doing the right thing but right. if you're just like confident mm-hmm. then the other person kind of can kind of draft off your confidence mm. and then it makes it the thing more exciting to do together yeah. um so i was just realizing that oh cool yeah well in that case chris <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> to get new floors i feel really confident about it so let's <laughs> do this <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will be my life for the next few years. <laughs> uh, 
All right. I think that wraps it up. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You can find the show notes for this episode at loveandmatrimony.com. You can send us an email with a question or a comment, just like Sophia did at heymatrimony at gmail.com. And you can catch up with us on Instagram in between episodes. I am Kels Wharton, and Chris is Practically Awesome Chris. Shine on, dear listeners. And remember to love your honey, not your money. that ending. <laughs>